0: All right. So creating a picture book for the first time can be daunting. And that's why we made Children's Book Pro. From our years of professional experience creating children's books to help lead you through the process that you are never like unsure of what you need to be doing next. When you finish the course, you'll have a book dummy that you can add to your portfolio. And you'll also have three finished illustrations that can also be a part of your portfolio and get you going on this path towards becoming a pro uh, illustrator. Uh, Don't just listen to me though. I want you to hear from people who've actually taken the course. Here's what they've said. Tammy says, no matter what stage you're in, whether a beginning illustrator or you have a few books already illustrated, This class is extremely useful. Malka says, this was a childhood dream come true. I was going over each lesson again and again. That's how much information has been stuffed into each class. Enough for a lifetime. And Yolanda says, this course turned out to be one of the best investments I've made to improve my visual storytelling skills It helped me to formulate a tangible plan to becoming the artist that I would like to be one day. Okay, so this class is running from September to November this fall. Uh, There's going to be a weekly Zoom meeting with the instructors. You can ask whatever question you want. And we also are going to set up a unique uh, Discord community just for this next cohort of people who are taking the class. If you want to see a preview of this, you could sign up and also get a notification for when the course launches in August by visiting childrensbookpro.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 3 Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker.
1: And I'm Lee White. And Will
0: Terry is not with us today. He is on assignment, but it's In the okay. Amazon. <laughs> is, is he in the Amazon this week?
1: He's in the Amazon this week. He is uh, working on something to tame piranha, so they're okay. a nicer fish, because nobody likes piranha, so...
0: well. I, you, you know, we gotta let Will do Will things. So, <laughs> anyways, this uh, this episode is fantastic. Uh, we interviewed. It's not an interview. We had a conversation with Kyle T. Webster, who you might know as if any of you have ever opened up Photoshop in the last few years and downloaded any brushes, you'll notice the name Kyle's Brushes. He's the he's the he's the guy who um, who essentially is uh, a brush, he's, the he's brush, the brush master. guy. I mean, he's the brush, brush, guy. brush
1: guy. Can you brush. name a single other person who's a brush guy? Like, it's yeah, not Max, like, oh, there's Kyle and there's this other guy.
0: There's Max Greg who does Max Packs for Procreate, but uh, Nobody yeah. Nobody
1: knows what you're talking about. He's, <laughs> <laughs> did you make that up?
0: No, no, uh, he, no That's he's. That's real?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, he's so a, there's a, a there's, a, there's a brush guy for, for Procreate, but, but Kyle is the brush guy for, for photo. I mean, it's kind of amazing. That there's somebody that, that that there's one guy who's responsible for yeah. so much of the way art looks. I mean, his brushes can change an illustration. I mean, how 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 much they've kind of worked their way into mm-hmm. the illustrator illustration community at large is, is incredible.
0: Absolutely, and we had just a fantastic uh, conversation. We talked about essentially his his career path, and one of the things he pointed out was he he's an accidental expert right like you work on something you focus on something you get good at it because you're purely because you're interested in it for no other reason than that because it just scratches an itch and then um at some point you might get lucky or or the the planets might align and then that's the thing that people want need you for and you're the one person that can can do it and and he was like this perfect mix of I know how to illustrate really well. I know how to make brushes really well. Let's make custom brushes for people. But we 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 didn't talk all about that. That was a, a good chunk of it. We kind of strayed into other areas about how do you focus, how do you create, like how do you deal with, um, um, I, don't, I don't want to call it imposter syndrome, but like not adequate, feeling like you're not adequate enough in your in your art. I don't know did you have any big takeaways Lee from this?
1: Um I mean I had a ton of takeaways because Kyle's the kind of person I mean we talk about it in the interview which you'll hear in a minute but he's the kind of guy who just he has an idea and he's one of the rare people that that really does build on that idea It's a spark and then he figures out a path and then he just does it and he he finishes things you know we talked about uh on this podcast before about being someone who ships and that means someone who mm-hmm. finishes things and, and has something available. And he's that guy. He, it's, it, it's incredible. It's very motivating cause cause he'll, he'll put two and two together. And I think a lot of people do that in their day, but they don't go anywhere with it. And he actually goes somewhere with it. Every time he thinks of something, it ends up being something or, or works its way into something else. And he's really open to connections. And one of the big things that he talked about a lot was, you know, he's a, he works at a software company, but his biggest kind of push is personal connections.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 being part of a community and then listening to that community and then and then and and just being a part of it and offering what you have to give to that community. And so it's a really it's a really great philosophy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just want to if you are unfamiliar with his work, go check him out on Instagram. It's Kyle.T.Webster. Um, check out his website, KyleTWebster.com. And then another thing he's he's working on is um, a meditative, a drawing meditation app, a meditative drawing app. It's called LinesOfZen.com. So that's another thing we want you to check out. And with that, let's get right into our interview with Kyle T. Webster. We were looking at, as much as we could, Adobe's financials <laughs> of, oh. about whatever is available. And it just blew our minds that it's this billion dollar company and that the the our interaction with it which is mainly the adobe su- suite like the the photoshop illustrator yeah. indesign is like such a drop in the overall bucket of of what it's they're nothing. doing yeah, yeah
3: it's i mean honestly when i joined the company i was like oh man here we go i'm going to be having some influence over this company and it's like no you're not um <laughs> <laughs> Creative Cloud is, is not even the biggest business um, in the business. It's it's actually document cloud. Mm. The document cloud really? side of the business is because it's, you know, PDFs and all the and then all the amazing stuff they make that I don't even understand that has to do with like forecasting sales trends and and things like that. There's all this stuff that we don't use that we don't, and it frankly bores me to tears, which is, you know, anything having to do with like
2: mm-hmm.
3: um marketing and uh yeah and like data tracking data and all this other stuff adobe makes a whole bunch of stuff for that and we never see any of it it's called document cloud stuff and um Mm
2: -hmm.
3: yeah yeah that's like you know huge enterprise stuff for like for massive uh you know corporations who have to keep track of sales and who's buying what and all that kind of stuff i didn't even know we made that stuff i thought it was just photoshop and
1: i didn't know that yeah
3: I yeah. do you no, have learned, to go to meetings like that
1: about stuff like that? Or do you are you kind of sequestered?
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I don't have to no, no, no. They they keep, I mean, the people who work on the creative stuff don't have to worry about all that or or really be bothered with how that works. We we focus on what makes us happy. We focus on stuff that's fun, creative stuff, design stuff, art stuff, you know, video editing, yeah. whatever. No, they keep us I, completely separate. When I lived
0: in Utah, um, uh, there Adobe has a campus in Lehigh. Yeah, I've seen I think pictures it is. of
3: that office. Looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it looks like a it's a futuristic looking building, and and you drive past and you're like, do, I mean, do they like? Is that like a a Bond villain uh, hideout? <laughs> like it's on this mountainside. Sharks in the like, floor.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh,
0: but I I met a guy who uh who worked there, and I was just like, hey, so what do you do? Like, I, like what what goes on in that building is it <laughs> and this was coming from i'm an artist i've used photoshop for 20 years now and you know like what what happens and he's like oh yeah oh yeah he, he, he like oh yeah i remember we kind of do the photoshop stuff but his whole thing their whole side of it was he was some middle manager that was like
3: handling like what you said some business tracking yeah. financial. And i think thing. i might have i might have been wrong i think there are actually three different business divisions not two but i don't Mm -hmm. even know i mean i think that's like twenty five thousand employees at least i don't even know the numbers so i'm yeah like i i'm just so happy to be where i am because i work with people who like what i like and we all are just all we care about is drawing and painting and
0: right (laughs) design
3: (laughs) and stuff like that and that's what our meetings are about and that's it's perfect
0: (laughs) right yeah how long have you been there now
3: I joined in um, October of 2017, so almost five oh. years. Oh, right. why?
0: Yeah, five years in October. That's I know, probably. it went
3: past.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I, do you guess, see I, mean, yourself... I guess we should... Oh, go well, ahead.
0: I was just going to ask you, go is ahead, this yeah. going to be a long-term, like, uh, uh, you see yourself there 20 years, or is it like a short-term thing? I am I'm, I mean, yeah. you don't have to say... <laughs> Well originally,
3: um, I honestly (laughs) when I joined, (laughs) yeah, I'm I'm (laughs) taking off after this. when I uh when I first uh, was asked to come on board, I was a little confused about what good I would be, honestly. But Mm -hmm. then it was so cool because um the the vice president at the time who brought me on designed it kind of so that I would be a floating asset. So Mm -hmm. it then it made a lot of sense. It's like, hey, anything that we touch that has to do with drawing and painting and with just digital art in general, um, you can sort of float over there and offer up some ideas and work with some different teams and make some stuff happen. And then you can just kind of like float away again and go somewhere else. And that was how I, I operated for the first three years or so. And it was just perfect. It was, it made, it actually made a lot of sense. Um, to have somebody on on board who worked as an illustrator and was continued to work as an illustrator and was plugged into the illustration community, um, being able to like be really really frank with teams about what it is that we all want and mm-hmm. what to build that will hopefully address those needs and all that stuff, right? Um, and uh, so that's. But then I. But then, like two years ago, I joined this other team where I still do some of what I just said. I still float around and I still help with some of that stuff, like product development and everything. But now what I really do more than anything is just education. I work on a team where um, we all do a ton of live streams every week mm-hmm. to just help people get better at whatever it is they're trying to do with the software. Um right. and I really enjoy that because I kind of get to design that quote unquote curriculum. You know, I mean it's mm-hmm. it's kind of it changes every week and we we respond to what's going on and what people think, you know what we think people might be interested in, but there's still some like curriculum building there, which relates to what I do um where I, I teach uh, at a university as well. And it's just great. Cause I, I love getting that back and forth. I love showing something off to people on a live stream and then hearing back, you know, immediately whether or not it was useful or got them going on something or inspired them to do something. Yeah. um that's been a pretty cool did your did
1: your business card say floating asset (laughs)
3: because that would be the best
1: business card ever
3: (laughs) um you know what maybe i'll just make one for myself and and do that because i (laughs) um I, i still serve in that function but uh but no that's one of the cool things about actually working there is that there are several people like that and i like that that company doesn't they don't see people as you fit this thing, and so we're gonna stick you in that peg, uh whatever in that hole, and then, then there that's where you live. Um it's cool that you can bounce around and just be useful wherever you need to be useful. So um right, it's the first right. time I've worked at a place like that. And I guess it I guess it makes sense for their business. Um, but I think more companies should kind of be more flexible like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Can can we go back, Jake? I know you probably have an order to to the interview. I mean, I'm assuming we're in the interview now, right?
0: We're in the interview now. We're just we're just talking.
1: I need- I, and there's <laughs> well, no I order wanna, to I, any I of wa- this. <laughs> I wanna back up a little bit because Yeah, I wanna back and, up too. I mean, I'm sure I, I'm really curious to how you go from being a freelance illustrator, like we like most of us are, to being a full time employee for this company as a floating asset.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just kind of tossed, tossed tossed in there he teaches at a, a at a
3: university yeah okay yeah there's so a university you, here 10 minutes from my my house i've been teaching there for 12 years
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay so was was that the segue or kind of walk us through no. how you're you're a freelance illustrator and then what happened
3: yeah um oh i love talking about this because i think for people who see that journey as like just as kyle was this and then he was that it's kind of like Oh man, what a lucky break! But um, but actually, there was just there was like a hundred lucky breaks in there that all just fell into place at the right time. And then it was, I think, me noticing them and being like, "Oh, I should take advantage of that moment," and then take advantage of this moment. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's sort of how it works. Is I think a lot of people, um, and I, I have this talk that I give for for students if I do like lectures at other universities, where it's called um, a nineteen year journey to overnight success. Uh, (laughs) where, you know, this is a much more realistic way things happen. As you both know, of course, as well, is it's just like time and and energy and lucky timing and effort, all this kind of stuff. So what happened was I was working as an illustrator. I started my own illustration business in 2003, but I was still working as a full-time designer as well. So at night I was doing all my illustration assignments and trying to build up my portfolio. I was basically working as an editorial illustrator at the time. For a lot of mm-hmm. those really small free news weeklies, which I think some of them still exist, but a lot are gone now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate because as a, as somebody who's starting out, it was an amazing way to get your foot in the door and get real client work. So these are things like the Village Voice in New York or San Francisco Weekly or the Seattle Stranger. These these publications used to hire illustrators every week. Not a lot of money, but they would hire you regularly. So I was doing that at night, and um, I quit my job in 2006 and went full time freelance. And when I did. Um, I kind of was equal or matching my salary, my design salary. So things were pretty stable. Um, but then my wife lost her job. And we were like also thinking about starting a family. And she always wanted to stay home with the kids. And so the pressure was on for me to figure something out. So I wrote a letter to, um, do you all know Stephen Heller? He was the design director of the, um, or he was the, yeah, like creative director for uh, New York Times uh, Book Review amongst other things, but he was famous for giving really like honest feedback in um, portfolio reviews, mm-hmm. normally for students. And I wasn't a student, but I just decided to do it anyway. And I just said to him, like, I wanna up, I want to raise my game. I don't wanna be doing all this alt weekly stuff. And he was just brutally honest with me. He's like, you can't just keep drawing floating heads and, and floating people. You need to do more storytelling, do more environments, do more other things mm-hmm. and you'll get bigger jobs. So I, I spent like a couple of months working with the existing art directors I had to try and get work like that. I said, can you just trust me to draw some bigger stories and draw stuff that has more of a story to it than just rather than just drawing this famous person or that famous person? And they did. And then I, I with a new portfolio, I went out and started approaching places like The New Yorker and Entertainment Weekly and bigger publications. And very quickly, I started to get work from them, and that really changed things. So for a nice long while there, I was doing major illustration stuff for these bigger publications. Um, but as you both know, like, life gets more expensive. And um, so I started doing what I know you both are good at, And but I, this was new territory for me, which is try and create something first and then sell it rather than mm. sit and wait for the phone to ring. Um, mm. So the editorial artists, you know, that's what they do, sit and wait uh, and then promote. Um, right. <laughs> so my first stab at that was a 90-page full-color graphic novel. Huge mistake. Um <laughs> Such a ton of work. I had no idea getting into it what it was gonna be. And then we barely broke even. I did it with a writer who's a friend of mine. Um, barely, barely broke even on just production of, you know, on just print costs after right. a year of slaving away on it. It was just so hard. Mm. So that I was like, okay, I tried that. I realize now that, and sometimes you have to go through that. You have to try something to realize what's really involved. Right. So the next thing I did was, but I still wanted to get that idea of like, I'm gonna have passive income or I want to make something and then sell it, right? Um, So the next thing I did was a a bunch of little drawings I would do daily for about 10 minutes and I turned them into a blog called The Daily Figure. And the cool thing about that was it was at a time where blogs were still able to kind of catch on and catch fire a little bit um, pre, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, And those little tiny 10-minute drawings I did were just black and white sketches and I would do them from my imagination. They were figures. But what's cool is it led to a whole bunch of commissioned work, in that style where I was able to basically for the same amount of money I would normally get for a full color illustration, um, with like multiple characters in the background, I would do these simple little one-offs for the same amount of money. I could just really gang up that work and, and do a lot more. So that Mm -hmm. was nice for a while. And also the passive income component was I would sell calendars and mugs and things with these pictures on them. Mm -hmm. So I was starting to get somewhere. And then the big break for me was in 2009, I made an iPhone game. Um, called uh white lines and i did it with a business partner in ireland who i'm working with right now actually on a brand new app um which is a the first of its kind it'll be a meditative drawing app which i'm really excited about mm. um but but he and i just partnered on this it took us three or four months and we made this game and apple featured it on the itunes store because it was black and white and everything else was like bright and colorful
0: oh wow
3: so we just got lucky with that game and all of a sudden, I had like $25,000 in my pocket from sales in the first like couple months. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge, huge amount of money to me, um, especially at this time where I was like trying to get commissions for $500, $750 editorial spots here and there. So that really, really got me excited about the potential of you know make something and then sell it and see what happens. Admittedly, I got lucky. And it's not like that's the, the, the normal story for everybody making an iPhone game, but the timing was good. The product was the right thing for the right time, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so with that in mind, with this idea of like making stuff, um, fast forward to uh, Corey Godby, who is a fantasy illustrator. Um, mm-hmm. He was on Gumroad selling uh, sketchbooks, digital copies of his sketchbooks. And I, I had a quick exchange with him about like what it's like to work with Gumroad. And he was saying, you got to do it. It's so easy. You just throw anything you want online and sell it. Boom. And everyone was always uh, asking for my Photoshop brushes. My you know friends who were illustrators, I would just send them little packs to play with. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I'll try selling a little pack of those. And yeah. this is way back, I think you know, 2013 or thereabouts. I don't remember. And at the time, I don't know if you recall this, but like Photoshop brushes weren't something a lot of people were passing around or or really fidgeting with and trying to make right. better. People were just kind of suffering through. Using the round brush and using the default Photoshop brushes, but I had actually been making this huge library of brushes for my own work because back when I worked at the design firm, we had clients that needed all kinds of different kinds of illustration. And I was sort of the in-house illustrator. And in order to mess up, mess around with my style and try different things, I would create new Photoshop brushes. So I was really into it as a sort of side thing. And I, I just got better and better at doing it, which goes to this idea I'd love to talk about with you guys about becoming an accidental expert at something. Because I think mm-hmm. that's, that's something a lot of us do and we don't realize we're an expert, but all of a sudden you've had you've put in on these hundreds and hundreds of hours doing something that no one else really cares about or isn't as invested in as you are. And I, I just realized I was good at making these things. Um, so when I put it up on Gumroad, I just thought I'll tweet about it, make a little note on Facebook to my friends and just leave it be. So I did that in the morning or like around lunch or something. I remember in like a couple you know, hours later I looked and I already had a couple hundred dollars worth of sales for this $5 brush. That I was like, oh, cool. And then I let it be. And then I went to visit my parents that night for dinner. And I told them about this thing I'd done. And I was like, you know, let me just check and see how the sales are going. And at that point it was like $1,100 and in a wow. day. Yeah. And I started yeah. freaking out. And then the next day it was like two grand. And I was like, what is going on here? And I, and I just immediately took it very seriously and I didn't think, oh, well, that's fun, but whatever. I immediately set about coming up with brand ideas, the next brush set I would make, expanding it, improving the brushes I had. And like after just a couple of months, I had this, this brand new set. And like I watched as the sales would increase for the first, but then I would see people buy the second and then go back to buy the first. And I started realizing how this stuff works just by doing it because I'm not a business person, you know? You know, all these concepts everyone understands about like authors who release their fifth book. If it's a bestseller, people go back and buy their fourth or third or second. So, you know, all that stuff that didn't make sense to me before I started to click. And um, eventually I had this idea that, you know, Adobe should notice this because if people are this dissatisfied with what's in the default category, there's got to be a way to Bring this to their attention and um I'm talking a lot, you guys. Let me know if you want me to stop. No, no, it's
1: it's it's fantastic. I mean, it's it's a really interesting story. I guess, I guess, um, I do have one question right here because Yeah. This is this is the point where a lot of people would be worried, like, okay, you want to go to Adobe and say, Hey, there's a problem with your with your product and I've got a solution for it. Are you worried at that point, like, they're such a big company, they're just gonna say, Well, thanks for the idea, and then kind of send you on your way and then they just do it without you or how would you integrate yourself into this cell into this? Yeah, of
3: course I was worried about that. Um, that's a very healthy and normal concern. Uh, but at this point, what I was really trying to do is not, was not exactly tell them you ought to do this or you ought to work with me on this. It was more sort of to just get them to take notice of what I was doing and get them to see that I was a fan of the product. But I was making the product better for all for everybody who uses it, and and, and therefore like helping them to get more people to use Photoshop because all of mm-hmm. a sudden they were happier to draw in Photoshop because we all know like Photoshop is a good drawing and painting app, even but it was not designed to be that. It just mm-hmm. kind of became that because artists adapted it and started you know making it work for their purposes. So um, anything to get more people using it for those purposes and and kind of advertise that, I think just everyone wins. So. The problem was, yeah, they're a massive company. How do I even, where do I even start? Who do I talk to? That was that was a huge obstacle. Um, instead, what I did was I watched some of the live streams they were starting to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I learned the names of the people who were hosting them. And I started like looking for them on social and then reaching out and saying, hey, uh, I'm making these Photoshop brushes and a lot of people are enjoying using them. Um, and I'd love to come on and do a demo, like on a live stream or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, what wound up happening was I got a nice positive response back from one person who's like, yeah, that'd be great. And between that moment and about six months later, something happened. But in between that time, Paulo Rivera, he's a Marvel comics artist and, and just comics artist, amazing artist. Paolo Rivera did a comic for um for uh, valiant comics is that what it's called valiant and mm-hmm. he wrote it he wrote his process at the back of the book and mentioned my brushes by name with a special shout out and the moment that happened and he tweeted about it suddenly there was this flood of activity and i was getting so many sales and then getting all these nice comments from The comics community started to realize the thing to do was go to each of the illustration communities, find Mm -hmm. an influential artist, send them the brushes for free, and just ask that if they like them, just mention them. And that really made a huge difference. So in the time that I asked about doing a live stream to, to what happened later which is there was this explosion of interest and then I was able to get them into the hands of artists at like Disney and Pixar and things like that by just emailing one artist and saying, Hey, try these out. And then they would pass them around the studio about six months after all that stuff happened. I got an invitation from Adobe to go to this special event in New York where they were doing this, um, trial of new apps on the iPad. So this would have been like 2015, um, And this is when they had Adobe Sketch and Adobe Draw and these new things and the Apple Pencil had just come out. So what happened there is I met people from the company who were interested in what I was interested in. And I made sure to really like hog their time Mm -hmm. away from all the other people that were attending. There were like 20 artists there, but I was like constantly in the the faces of the Adobe people. Mm -hmm. Um, I even made sure that I got to go to dinner with them and like just corner them and 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 just build relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think what happened from that was then I did get to come do a visit uh, do a visit at this, at the office in San Francisco and do a live stream. And then I got to visit at Adobe Max and do a live stream. And eventually I worked it so that I had a person there at the company who was a higher level decision maker who I proposed, I said, I'd be willing to make a few brushes that you would put in Adobe Sketch. The only thing I ask is that you put my name on them. Mm -hmm. So the millions of people who have this app will see my name. Mm -hmm. And I I asked for money, of course, and the amount of money I asked for, I thought was pretty fair at the time. And um, I probably could have asked for more, but it wasn't about that so much as this partnership. Mm -hmm. And that was a stepping stone towards what later happened where... By the time I went to them with an official business proposal, Mm -hmm. I had half a million customers at that point. And I felt very confident that, you know, that the timing was right and that I could sort of be at a level playing field and and propose to them something that really made sense. Um, Mm -hmm. And what they came back to me with made more sense, which was not just we'll acquire this library of tools, but you should come on and, Mm -hmm. and, continue to make tools and continue to invent new things that will, you know, be for this audience. And, um, I'm, I'm definitely like skipping a lot of steps, but my, I think what I'm trying to say is it happened in a logical kind of normal way where there was a lot of, yeah, a lot of networking, a lot of building trust and it went, it, it just worked out really well.
1: What, what I love about that <clears throat> is it seems like a bunch of, like you said, very small steps that you wouldn't logically think is going to equal the result. And I think that's a, yeah. that's a really important point to make because, you know, in hindsight or, or like people seeing – where you are now, they might think, Oh, I guess Adobe just called him and said, Hey, come on and join (laughs) us. And, and that's sort of the way that we've experienced uh, building up our school too. It's, it wasn't, Oh, we're going to have all this, this big school with all these curriculums and all these programs. It was, Hey, let's, let's make a, let's make a a painting class that focuses on this one thing. That'd be cool. You know, and then the next Mm -hmm. thing and then the next thing. And it's just interesting to see where these things end up when you continually make small things that you care about.
3: Yeah and the growth is slow but as long as you're sort of always moving even if it's like in sort of a serpentine way towards this thing and and at the time I didn't even think it was even remotely possible that they would actually acquire the library of tools I just was thinking there's going to be there's got to be some way I can work with them on a bigger level mm-hmm. and um just just to put things in perspective in terms of timing the negotiations for me selling them this library of brushes and joining the company took a year like mm-hmm. just so people understand it's not like oh in two weeks you say hey you want to do this yeah let's do it dum, dum, dum. you know right. i just i want people to understand it's 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 a long thing and that was like four years of relationship building leading up to that you know so it's it's definitely a it's a lot of work um and I had tons of help and I think people should always look for help where they can get it. I I don't know business and I don't know this kind of stuff. So I hired a business manager to help me with it, um an agent because I, I didn't I was in mm-hmm. over my head and I think yeah, don't don't wing it. If you have somebody who's an expert at something and you can work with them, let them help you.
0: Well, it's interesting too. Knew- it's like from the outside looking in and and this is I've worked for different organizations. SVS is its own organization, and internally, time moves at a much different rate than it does externally. So, anytime you send a portfolio off to a studio, or you're, you know, you're proposing a business plan to, a, you know, a company or something like that. For you, every day you're like, I wonder if they read it. I wonder if they got that email. <laughs> yes. I wonder if they're talking. Did they have a meeting about it? And and inside that organization, it might be two weeks before like it comes to the the top of the the list to do list for whoever's yes. in charge of that, you know, little thing. So patience is is definitely a good virtue to to foster in in this kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, and during that time, whereas downtime, so to speak, you have to continue to just move forward and do other mm-hmm. small things to try and make it more likely that the outcome you're desiring will be what happens. Um, And so even when I was already in the midst of having these discussions, (coughs) nothing was guaranteed. So I was making new brush sets and continuing to promote like crazy and just trying to build it because if it had fallen through, I would, of course, have wanted to continue to grow and and that would have been vital, you know? So
2: Mm -hmm.
3: honestly, at the point where I started to talk to them about these things, I was spending ninety percent of my time just making brushes and managing that business, and maybe ten percent of my time doing any freelance illustration. It was crazy mm-hmm. how how that shifted over time. That right. um, became my primary business, I guess. I never meant for it to be, but it just did. Did you? How
0: did you feel as an illustrator? turned businessman? Were you like, no, this is really cool. I'm into this. Like, Or were, was it always like, okay, if I just do this for a couple more years, I can finally like illustrate 90% of the time and do business 10%? Or was it just like, I don't know, I'm, I'm actually kind of into this? Well,
3: what ma- what made it really great and what made it easy to stomach was that the business for me was actually a lot of drawing. And it was in some mm-hmm. ways so much more fun for me than my client work because I was the art director. So, if I created a new brush set, I would want to do like dozens of illustrations to promote that brush set and show off what it did. Mm -hmm. And I would just be sitting it and playing and having fun and pumping out all these illustrations to, to do that. And that was what I think made it easier for me than say someone who, maybe someone's really good at making brushes, but they can't draw. I mean, I don't know how they would make that work. I just am so glad that I had all that training and all that time spent drawing that for me, making ads for the brushes was a pure joy. I'm like, oh, what am I going to draw today? I'll draw a snowman. What am I going to draw today? I'm going to draw a dragon and whatever. Just draw anything that was fun for me at the moment and then use it as an ad. Um, mm. So I think that really was what made it better. The part I did not enjoy and was very happy to be gone, uh, rid with, rid of when I uh, turned over the, the, the brushes was the customer service aspect because... Mm. Um, I was answering easily, you know, 50, 60 emails a day mm-hmm. by the time I got close to the end of the sale. Um, and that was just so too yeah. much. And I had auto replies I'd set up and copy paste situations and it was never good enough. Um, and what was
0: like a typical email. Most of
3: them were tech support that was already answered in the documentation that came with the brushes. And I, I learned that there's just no amount of support you can provide up front that will ever be good enough. Most people skip it. Don't read it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, the, it's like, here are the installation instructions and half the emails <laughs> i get on a daily basis for how do I install these things? <laughs> uh, oh, so, my gosh. <clears throat> um, a friend of mine taught me a trick where we, how you can use email signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, answers to questions saved as email signatures so when i would get an email i would just quickly go through my signatures and select the one that was the answer to the question so it'd be like a whole paragraph of information and i'd just select that signature and hit reply mm-hmm. um so that was a cool little trick but but most of the time i still had to do some kind of customization of the email or and the other thing which i'm sure you guys have encountered at some point in your lives because of you know thank you internet is just the hate mail i would get for random weird stuff Just mm. weird. Hate mail.
1: What uh, kind of hate mail? I I would hear about brushes. Oh.
3: Yeah, you know. Kyle's oh. the
0: worst name.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why is it I his screen, brushes? I have screen caps of like so many of them that I had saved. I don't know if I still have them because they're so weird. Um but it would be things like, oh, I was using this brush on this project and it wasn't doing what I wanted. And why can't you make something better? Or Just weird things like blaming me for stuff I could never predict or know it or just, you know how people are that some stranger writes you out of the blue. Um, I would get also just mean, mean things like um, we're talking about customer support. People don't have any manners anymore. So instead of like, hi, Kyle, um, I was trying to install these, but couldn't figure out how to do it. Could you help me? I would get an email that would start with what the fill in the blank exclamation point. (laughs) I paid all this money and and the brushes don't even work you're a crook you know you're you <laughs> f you for you know for swindling me or whatever
2: right. and i'd
3: have to write back because i'm trying to be professional you know dear so and so um yeah. please read the installation instructions that are included and you'll see that everything works fine blah 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 and then they would either just I think like it's, go it's and that that... Right back or huh
1: <laughs> isn't it interesting that um now, because a lot of sales are sort of anonymous, you know, it's, it's online that, you know, you at home making brushes or, or us making these online classes or whatever is seen this is exactly the same as if somebody orders from Target. And right. so, you know what I right. mean? Like the, like there's no differentiation between a one person company where I'm literally, somebody orders a print for me, I am printing it and signing it and packing it and sending it versus target, you know? Right. And they expect the same customer service and the same kind of expect the same, expect treatment the same and just,
0: speed in delivery right, as if I have a fleet of trucks going out every day, <laughs> delivering art books to people, you know? Right. <laughs>
3: I know it's weird, isn't it? I think everyone's been programmed to think like that, regardless of who's managing the, yeah, the the business. Um, Yeah, it's very weird. So I, I was glad to get rid of all that because it was, it was stressful. I took it personally. Sometimes they tried not to, but it's hard not to when someone's calling you names and yelling at you and Um, so, so do you have, are,
1: are, are you kind of umbrellaed under Adobe now? So now, now that hate mail is directed towards a customer service person at Adobe or how does that work?
3: No, now, no, no. I went through about almost, I would say about 18 months of way more hate mail when I sold the brushes (laughs) than way before then of just everyone calling me a sellout and telling me I'd ruined their lives. And, um, just the drama was ridiculous. Like people... Yeah. You couldn't believe it. I saved some, I got death threats via Twitter. I just like, are you <laughs> kidding me? You're going to, you want to kill me because of Photoshop brushes that cost $5 a pack. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. So you, you, could, you yeah. should
1: make those, you should make those emails into a brush <laughs> and it just s- s- spreads around insults. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a good idea. Yeah. I could do it secretly, uh, secretly and just, um, yeah. <laughs> just as a way to repurpose that, that info. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just how the internet is, so it's fine. But, um, but yeah, generally speaking now I don't, I I don't get too much of that. And uh, I think, Mm -hmm. well, what's also cool is now there are literally millions of people using the tools who weren't using them before, Mm -hmm. but just as an aside, this is interesting with the internet. Um, My mega pack at the time was a popular brush set. Um, Probably still the one people download the most, It was downloaded over a thousand times a day on Pirate Bay for the, just that was the average number of downloads per day. Wow! So the amount of money I was technically like not making on sales Mm -hmm. because everyone was pirating them was infuriating. And I tried very hard to ignore it, but because everyone's like, you can't do anything about it. And I get that. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, like that's just, that made me so mad. I'm like, of all the things to pirate, why would you pirate Something that, and then you're, you're an artist who's downloading these. Well, it's people who want to use them, right? So you want to be a digital artist and you want to steal from your community. What is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) didn't make any sense. Were
1: you able to mitigate it in some way or limit it? No,
3: Can't do anything about it. And then in Alibaba, that, that website in China, Mm -hmm. um, there were people who just took my brush sets and resold them. They didn't even like change the name. They just posted it and sold it.
0: yeah it's it's uh that's incredible i'm curious about um uh these other apps like procreate um clip studio who a lot of people see as alternatives to to photoshop how do how do you feel about these programs how does adobe feel about these programs is it like uh you know this is all lifting you know uh what's the saying uh rising tide yeah, rising tide lifts all boats, or is it more of a competition? Like who's trying to do better? I'm just curious. About I think
3: that. it depends. Well, that's interesting. I can't really speak for Adobe, I guess. But personally, the way I feel about it is um, there's, I have several thoughts about it. One, uh, each of these products is going to offer different people different things. Mm-hmm. And what I found is most people use multiple applications for different things. Not everybody mm-hmm. is like, I'm only going to draw on this one app forever and forget all the rest. I don't know anybody like that. Um, So I think what they do is they just offer you different tools for different things. Like for example, Clip Studio, I know a lot of comics artists prefer Clip Studio because it has all kinds of comics paneling options and um, perspective tools and things that make sense for comics. The word Uh, balloon
0: tool is amazing.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Like that's a great example. So uh, that makes perfect sense. But I know a lot of people who, what they do is they'll, they'll draw a lot of stuff in Photoshop and then move over to clip studio to do the word balloon stuff and do specific Mm -hmm. kinds of drawing. Um, or they'll pencil in one place and ink in another, or they'll, it's just, it's so kind of fluid. Um, and then an interesting thing you'll notice is that, you know, after a few years of procreate being out and then also clip, what's one of the things they did, they started supporting ABR files. Hmm. Mm. That's Photoshop (laughs) brush format. This is saying basically, look, we know (laughs) that you want to use these brushes in different environments. And it's just acknowledging the fact that we're all just trying to provide good digital drawing and painting tools Mm -hmm. for the community. Um, You know, then we have something like Fresco that came out now almost four years ago and is really hitting its stride where if you want to draw with vector brushes and raster brushes in the same environment, well, now you can do it in a way where you can keep those layers separate, but you can do some interesting things with them. And um, the other thing, too, is to have like media that stays wet because people complain about that in Photoshop. Uh, Why can't I have watercolors that stay wet? So because of the way that Photoshop works with the GPU rather than the CPU, if we were to do Mm -hmm. something like that, you wind up with a situation like Painter where if you try to do watercolors, you make a brushstroke and wait five seconds for it to render. Mm -hmm. So you you start to balance like, okay, what's the user experience like? So once the iPad Pro came out with the Apple Pencil, we were like, well, there's an environment where we could build wet brushes and not have any lag issues. So we built it there. Um, so I think it's just there's so many different reasons for why things exist and where they exist and who the audience and who the customer is. I think at the end, it's just the artists win because they mm-hmm. have options. So, right. you know, anybody can just use whatever they want and they can combine things and have interesting workflows. Um Actually, I see a lot of artists now, they do these these cool lettering things where they use the multicolor eyedropper or multicolor swatches in Fresco to make lettering and do cool stuff like that. And then they'll switch Mm -hmm. over to Procreate and they'll use some of the um, gradient tools and some other uh, like Mm -hmm. filters and things to finish it, which is similar to how people used to do work in Procreate and then finish it in Photoshop using different Mm -hmm. um, image adjustments and things like that. So I see people do that all the time where it's like part of my process is here, another part is here. Mm -hmm. Um, personally i just think that's fine i of course everyone's going to see some competition because everyone's trying to make money uh, Mm -hmm. that makes sense but another thing i think that happens is that each of these products and companies pushes the other company to continue to innovate so i think that's healthy and if it if it were not the case we'd wind up with something that doesn't change and we wouldn't get new tools
2: yeah
1: i'm surprised that the lag that painter had um you know if you go back to the history of painter you know 10 years ago it was a program that worked pretty well almost exactly like it does now it never seemed to totally grab on with everybody i mean it has great mixing and all that stuff but it's just funny that it never really i love
3: painter like back when it was like painter i used it in like 2010 thereabouts i really thought it was a pretty sweet app but um the thing about it was I was willing in, to to learn it and the patients required to learn all the menus and all the sliders and controls for the medium you choose. I think that's what turned people off was that if I want to do X, I need to fiddle with this many sliders and adjustments. And mm-hmm. I think people just didn't, they just kind of wanted the tool to just do the thing without them having to do that much adjustment. Um, right. So I get, I, that's my, that's my, that's my guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I I think another thing was yeah, just probably the issue of being able to render something in such an interesting way, but that having to, having to be a resource hog for the CPU got in the way of the right. experience of just drawing and painting. Like you don't want to wait, you know, if you can avoid it. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I like your description of 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 how to use media. I think I think us three at at SVS sort of agree with that, but it's almost I'd say every time we do a class one of the first questions we get is, is it okay to do this in blank procreate or like it's they want to categorize it and then claim which one's best aligned and just label it in a weird way that, that versus it just being this resource and they all sort of behave differently, but then there's an overlap too.
3: Yeah, no, I I understand that too. And I teach digital, um, painting at, uh, at, at the school where I teach university here in town. Um, and my students are like, can I do this in procreate? Can I do this in whatever? And I say to them, yeah, I'm not here to teach you software. I'm here to teach you digital painting ideas, make selections, Mm -hmm. fill with color, transform, um, Mm -hmm. work with brushes, modify brushes, work with layers, your layer blending modes. These are all things that if it weren't for Photoshop, they wouldn't exist in these other apps, right? I acknowledge that and I think that's cool. And I'm proud of that, you know, now that I'm an employee of this company. But (laughs) regardless, these are still, these are now just universal, you know, things you need to learn, it doesn't matter which app you're using. If you don't know how to make selections and make transformations, and you know understand these basic ideas and how to work non destructively with like masks and clipping masks, and you know all of these things now exist in every app. Um, that's what digital painting is to me. It's it's a medium, and it has its own language and its own yeah you know, its own vocab and its own techniques and tricks that are just shared across. And then you get into like the nitty gritty stuff. Um, which is going to be different. But the basics are the same everywhere now. So that's what you're learning. Mm-hmm. So if you're teaching a, a concept art class and someone wants to work in gouache, well, they still have to understand fundamentals like mm-hmm. value and shape design <laughs> right. and composition and like Color edge control. And- you know, <laughs> These are things that just don't disappear when you work digitally.
1: <laughs> no way, man. I want the software so, to solve all that for me.
0: <laughs> so speaking of that, you, you say you do, uh, tutorials or, or live demonstrations with Adobe. Can you tell us what those are? Tell us all about those. I'm curious what that's, what's that about? What's your, what's your goal with it? Yeah. Um, who's um, the ideal person to watch those, to attend those is, is it a, a thing you watch or attend or or what? You,
3: you watch them They're and they're, they're archived forever. So, um, I, I have several different ones I do every week or every other week, depending on what they are. And one is called brush hour. I just did mm-hmm. one this morning brush hour. I just talk about brushes and I get people to understand better how to use Photoshop brushes or Fresco or whatever, and just how to like uh, understand how to modify a brush and play with it, how to create brushes. I try and point people towards the kind of brushes that'll work well for their workflow or for whatever style they're trying to emulate. And I just have a theme for every one. It's an hour long show. And um, yeah, I do that every other week. Then every Friday, I have an illustration masterclass. That's a lot more geared towards sort of teaching. I mean, some of it is, I guess, like how to do this thing in this app, but most of it is more sort of the kind of stuff you all teach and help students or or pros learn about, which is like the one I did two weeks ago is how to create more dynamic figures, you know, or just ideas for that so that your figures don't look so sort of, you know, stuck and blocky and, and and stagnant and lifeless or whatever um and so then we talk about things like gesture and um, line of action and shifting the weight and shifting the camera angle and um twisting the the, the body and torso whatever just all the things that help to add some some dynamism um that would be the example of something i do maybe with illustration master class or you know um drawing cartoon heads and how you mm. know just that's kind of a nice are, are these
1: uh are these free resources yeah they're all through free. Adobe, or
3: yeah, cool. maybe free. we put some links on there on because we
1: have the show notes and all that kind of stuff. So maybe we'll put some links so people can
3: sure see I the could past send you ones few... and
1: attend the new ones,
3: yeah, yeah, they're they're free, and they are every week. there's like hundreds of thousands of hours of content that are just archived. And we did them in different categories. I'm always doing the illustration stuff, but like um Paul from our team and uh, does uh, design stuff, and Terry does photography, and Jason does video um and katrina does more like uh cc web stuff and uh um yeah like creative cloud express and anyway that stuff and then i also do uh, a show in french every two weeks which is very taxing on my brain um and that one's really fun i just pick a theme and draw and and while i'm drawing i tell people like quick ways to have fun with Mm-hmm. This is sort of a no pressure kind of a drawing exercise kind of game where, you know, the last time we did a theme was mystery, and it's just making And This is and
1: live, and it's in French.
3: Live in French, and my French is getting slightly <laughs> better now. I used to be mostly fluent, but that was twenty, uh, yeah, twenty four years ago, and I had, had, a, had a long lazy. gap. Fr- French. <laughs> <laughs> so so know, I want to know how'd you
0: get how'd you get fluent in in French.
3: I spent my junior year of college in France, um, mm. and I, I had a wonderful time. And i didn't I didn't go to class. I, I went to class the first three weeks, and it was um, I was I wanted to learn art, but what they were teaching was how to. I, I don't know how to explain it. The best way to explain it is: in the first day of life drawing, I started drawing the model, and the mm-hmm. professor, who I swear I'm not making this up, literally wore a beret in class and smoked a cigar. I'm not Perfect. making this up. Like the very sort of a stereotype of a French art professor, but he walked he to over to down my his drawing. and go over yeah. to you. <laughs> He walked over to my drawing and in French, he said, um, you know, he's yelling at me. He's like, no, no, no. You're not supposed to draw the model. You're supposed to draw the idea of the model. And he pointed around the room for me to look at what other students were doing. One kid had his shoes off and he was putting ink on his shoes and stamping them on the paper. And another kid no. was shredding it up and like, tangling it up and stuff and i was like wow. this is not what i want so another friend i met there he and i both decided to not go to class all year and instead we would learned french for real
2: mm-hmm. by
3: just listening to french radio and reading french and hitchhiking around and um you know there's a long story there and i don't want to take up all the time <laughs> but basically we both learned french and we, we also kept ourselves busy we decided we'd do real projects so we wouldn't just be lazy so i did mm-hmm. uh, two months worth of Newspaper comic submissions. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wants to do that anymore. But at the time, I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life: was do a syndicated yeah. comic. Um, so I submitted those when I got back to the states, and you know, they all got rejected. But it was, I kept me busy for a year.
0: <laughs> what, what year were you uh, in France? Ninety
3: six, ninety seven.
0: Okay. Yeah. The nineties in France. That just sounds so like amazing.
3: It was. <laughs> it was so amazing. It was. Truly one of the best years of my life no doubt yeah that's yeah. awesome
0: yeah you may have bumped into my friend because he was backpacking through there at that oh time. cool yeah.
1: everybody's <laughs> friend was backpacking through there <laughs> <laughs> that time. um do you what do you, now that you've kind of been established as as brush guy and you got these demos and 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 teaching kind of things that you do are, are you doing any project-based stuff just to, just to kind of fill that need or, or, yeah. or commercial work anymore?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll do occasionally, I did a, a beer, not beer, it a, but it's a like beer, like drink uh label about two months ago for an old client who I've worked with forever. Um, uh, I only do a handful of jobs a year that I just something I really want to do. And then for personal projects, I'm working on this drawing meditation app, which should be done in a couple of weeks. Um, called Lines of Zen. Very proud of that. Um, and that sprang out of me doing meditation workshops with people through drawing, which was just something that kind of came out of another book project I did three or four years ago. What
1: what is a meditation drawing? Just a quick
3: Well, so there's meditation and there's meditative, there are meditative activities, you know, like, um, so drawing is kind of, it's a meditative act. If you, as you both know, when you're drawing, if you're really into it, you can't be thinking about other stuff in the background. You're focused on the the act of drawing. It's a really wonderful, calming, centering experience. And I wanted to share that with people who don't draw. So I designed a series of 20 um, exercises people can do where they follow along with my voice and with what's being demonstrated on screen, and they can draw along and do five minute spot meditation exercises through drawing no talent required. Um, Mm -hmm. They're abstract drawings, but they all have uh, some structure to them. And um, I tested it out with, you know, workshops and things and it went well. So I wanted to turn it into something that everybody could access. And yeah, it's just a really, I don't know if you know what spot meditations are, but it's just a short meditation you would do any time in the day, Um, usually two minutes to five minutes. So they're really kind of aimed to sort of fill that that need, especially for people who can't just sit still and be quiet and try and meditate, which is not mm-hmm. good for me. I need some kind of guided meditation or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. I think this serves that need.
0: Jake, I
3: I you, you were meditating for a while, weren't you?
0: Currently, still in. Yeah. Yeah, it's really so you're healthy. still doing it? I do a guided meditation. try to every day. Some days it doesn't quite happen, but yeah.
3: I liked, um, did you use an app for it? Did you use like Headspace mm-hmm. or? Um, uh, waking up.
0: I love waking
3: uh, yeah. up. Oh, Sam Harris. Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely loved. I did that app for two years. Yeah. I just love him. I love him. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, good one. That's a great one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it was, it's been, it's been really good. And I found like, for me, um, it's, it's helped me outside of it in situations to really assess my emotional response to it a little bit better. Yeah. Like, how do I actually feel about this? Where is that feeling coming from? Is it a legit legitimate feeling or is it, you know, something that I, you know, just regardless of what it is, I I can acknowledge it and move through it. So that's yeah. been good.
3: Uh, oh, I can, I can totally see that. I, I love yeah. this section about stoicism. That got, I read a book about stoicism as a result of listening to some of the stoicism mm-hmm. talks that he did on that app. Um, and I'm, I'm into all that stuff. And this is an extension of that, this app I made, because I just think yeah. if there's any way someone can access that state of mind, regardless of if it's through sitting and meditating through a guided thing, or if it's through drawing, like we do just out of habit, I just think so much the better.
0: Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. So they're two to what, two to five minutes? Is that? They're all about,
3: these? yeah, they're all about like four to five minutes. Some might be mm-hmm. six minutes if you stretch them, but the nice thing is if you want to just keep doing it, you can, you can stretch them to like 10 minutes if you wanted to, but yeah. I think most people want to move on with their day. So yeah, I just figured
1: what, what you know. would be a prompt and an example of, of something like that? So is it, it's totally oh, abstract.
3: Like you start yeah. with a line. And... Well, one of my favorites is called connections and, um, I could send you, I actually posted that one for free on YouTube, but I haven't shared the link with anybody. Yet. It's a private link, but I can share it with you all. You just, you just make a series of like maybe eight to 12 dots spaced out anywhere on the page. Um, And what you do is you connect the dots by going from one dot to any other dot, but you have to make a curve a linear line. And Mm -hmm. once you attach to that second dot or connect to it, you follow that same curve. You extend it and connect to another dot. And you go all the way through the page in any order you want any dots as long as you're constantly doing C curves or S curves. And when you're done, you have this nice, long, looping drawing, and you connect to the very first dot again, and it closes the circle, so to speak. And if you do it very slowly and with intent and really thinking, where do I go next? Where do I go next? And it's just a very relaxing, nice activity. It takes a couple minutes. So if you wanted to extend it, you do like 20 dots on the page and connect all those and see how it Mm -hmm. goes. So it's that kind of thing. Um, But that's probably one of my favorites because it's easy for people to understand and it's a great entryway to some of the other exercises.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think this this rise of, of meditation and meditation apps is... And direct, like, you know, a, a direct example of how much people are on social media, on the news, on all these attention-getting um, devices and things. And this is yeah. like, hold on, you have to have a moment in your day where, where you are in, in control of your attention and not Absolutely. These other things.
3: No, it's it's obviously uh, it's obviously a direct response to the world we live in and to the circumstances we find ourselves in, which were exacerbated by a pandemic. And um, I think people just need time to calm themselves down and center themselves and not be doom scrolling. And uh, yeah, man, holy cow! I mean, we're lucky—the three of us and anyone else out there who's listening who draws—that to have an activity like that where you can sit and draw for pleasure is just such a great release and it's so healthy and it's good for your mind. It's good for your body. It it really does remove you from everything for a moment. And, but a lot of people don't have that. And so where they go instead is they go to YouTube or they go to Twitter or whatever, thinking that this is going to be a respite, but it's actually worse. It's just, it's stressful.
1: (laughs) I have, I have a suggestion. Yeah. Oh no. This is for, this is for your, this is for your april fool's day meditation oh, oh so you start it you know quiet calm and then you just started immediately with okay you draw a three point a city in three point perspective
3: <laughs> and just start it there step one just, <laughs> draw a city and draw your three dots
0: step two draw a building right. with 500 windows
3: Step
1: so, two, draw a crowd scene. Yeah. Crowd scene, with everybody with hands. Yeah, that's always my
3: favorite. Here, here's Perhaps, the, thankfully, uh, don't have to do anymore. Here's crowd the
0: uh, the absolute most difficult drawing is a horse riding a bicycle down a spiral staircase.
1: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: that's, that should a be a, an have art ever, challenge. I can't draw
3: a chair to save my life. <laughs> I so have a chair. chair. Yeah, chairs are hard. I would cheat with that horse drawing, and what I do is I draw a circle, and that would be the the, the spiral staircase front. We're looking from the top, mm. and then the bicycle would just be two lines: the front tire and the back tire. <laughs> yeah. And on top of all that, I would have the like silhouette of the top of the body of the horse, which is just going to be like a rectangle attached to like a funny looking oval, and that's it. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. Meanwhile, Kim Jong ji is like yeah, rendering he's it in perfect. like three-point perspective, everything's anatomically correct. He
3: would
0: do it in fisheye. In fisheye,
3: right? Yeah. So I was going to ask maybe you- that, Maybe uh, that
1: version of the drawing can be the cover of this uh, podcast. Yeah. He does that drawing. <laughs> Jake's going to draw
3: it.
0: <laughs> for real. No, what I was going to say, um, so in your career, act one is you, the illustrator. Act two is- Kyle's brushes, I would say, you, the facilitator for illustration, what's, is there an act three? And if there is, what is that?
3: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I am really genuinely interested and excited about what I'm doing right now with the product on the product side of Adobe and also the education side. Um, I think act three right now is this me being involved in hopefully trying to shape what digital drawing and painting can be, mm-hmm. um, at least for some people. That's exciting. But the other thing is, um, you know, I I had a picture book in 2016, which was just such a wonderful experience to have a book published. Um, The problem is that there was no marketing engine behind it. And so I was proud of the book and the book was well received, but there was no way to really, you know, and I was, so it was with Scholastic and I was, I just didn't know anything about publishing at the time and didn't realize that even if a major, you know, publisher publishes your book, it doesn't mean that there are marketing dollars to, promote Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to get back into that and see if I can revisit that. And I have a new picture book agent, um, Chad Beckerman at the cat agency. And he and I have some ideas. I I really love telling stories and trying to, you know, write and draw stories. Um, So maybe I could, if I'm lucky, get another book sold someday, Um, Mm -hmm. do some more of that. This app with the with the meditative drawing, I'm kind of interested in turning that into a brand because I, mm-hmm. I have some other ideas for it beyond the app. Like I actually have a book proposal in with um my agent for that as well. Uh, we'll see what happens. So I don't know, man. I, I think I'm I'm trying, I've always tried lots of different things. Yeah. And I think I just continue to do that. If something interests me, I sort of try and make something happen with it. Mm-hmm. Um so, I have that going on several fronts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I left out in the beginning, I, I was a web designer for three years. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that I ran out of school
0: just because that was the prelude. Yeah.
3: <laughs> right. I mean, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: it's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, you're kind of cut from the same cloth, I think that we are right, where you, you, you want to make something and then you figure out how it fits in the world yeah. and do other people like this thing. And it's, it's, it's not, everybody has that. It's really interesting to hear your story because, you know, some people just make pictures and that they're good enough with that, but you kind of see how everything kind of fits together and it's a, you're very entrepreneurial and, and obviously your career shows that, you know?
3: Yeah. Thanks. Well, as are you, obviously both you guys and, and everything you do with SBS and beyond, I mean, books and prints and comics. And you know, assigned work and project-based stuff. And it just, I think every artist nowadays, if they really want to have any longevity, they kind of have to adapt that mentality. I don't think, there's a, there is a tiny number, there's a sliver of artists out there who can do one thing and just repeat it forever and have a career for 35, 40 years. But I think they're, they're very few and far between. I think most of us realize now that a lot of people out there can draw really well. So the competition is stiff. When it comes to skills so what do you do next do you find a way to like do something unique with your work or have a unique voice have characters you create have stories or worlds that you build um you know jake i, I mean you do a ton of that
0: um, yeah I, i'll tell you you know to be honest like this morning i was having some serious self-doubt where i was no like way. yeah i was like man because I was on Twitter looking at portfolio day hashtag, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's, that's what started it. Portfolio day was yesterday and I was going through looking at all these amazing portfolios and it's just four drawings that they post four paintings. And I'm like, how are they that good? And how are they that young? (laughs) And how am I ever going to compete if this is what, you know, this is what's out there. And then I started thinking like, you know, I'm, I make comics, but I'm not very fast at them and they don't come out frequently enough for like people to, to really, you know, pay attention. And it's just this long slog to, to build up that library of enough stuff for people to actually pay attention to. And it was just one thing after. And then, then even if I do make comics, like I can't compare to the, um, You know, to the marketing engine and the creative engine—that is something like Disney. You know, yeah. That, that I know. You
1: need need to sit. You need to lean back and turn on Kyle's meditation meditation software as (laughs) well. Relax.
0: (laughs) No, so so that was you know honestly. I mean, those were there. Those those were honest like feelings where I was just like, what what do I even do? Like, how do I even do that? And essentially, what I'm coming to and what I'm I go through this cycle where it's like you can't compete and you shouldn't compete. You need to make the thing that you know how to make lean into that. And, and the audience will find you, the people will find you. And besides like an artist doesn't need a million like people buying their stuff in order for them to be successful. You know, there's there's like the 1,000 true fans, and it could be any yeah, any mix between between all that, and you'll find you'll find your audience, and 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 I mean, if if I'm having this, if I'm stressing out about this, then so is Disney. They're stressing out about it too because their main threat, because they want eyeballs, right? That's they want eyeballs, they want subscriptions. Their main threat is YouTube and TikTok. Right. <laughs> and because, because if, if, uh, if you're on there, you can't go on Disney Plus or you can't go to a movie theater. Right. So it's like everybody has these, from big to little, has these uh, anxieties. And at the end of the day, you just have to make stuff. You just have to keep making stuff.
3: What made me feel better because I have these same feelings, Jake, all the time. I mean, just, I, you said you go through cycles. I think all of us do. Um, but what, one of the things that made me feel better was I, one time, this was only a few years ago. Do you know the Lightbox Expo? Mm-hmm. So I, I while I was out there, I, it was close to um, the Walt Disney Animation Studios. So I went over there to do a little tour and meet some artists. And I can't tell you how many of the people's offices I walked into where first, of course, you look at their, their concepts, their drawings, you go, <laughs> okay, I give up, Yeah. Uh, but then to say to them, you know, oh, my gosh, that's a that's a beautiful drawing. And the thing they say back almost every time is, oh, yeah, but, you know, I I guess I, I just wish I had done this a little differently. Or I, I'm like, so it, even the people that I revere as like mm-hmm. gods of drawing are having exactly the same self-doubts. <laughs> and feeling so sort of like, you know what, it doesn't matter. Even if I could get to that level, I would still be feeling the same way probably about my work. And the reason for that is because I care about it. Mm-hmm. We all care about it. We, we just, you know, we love it so much that we want to be good at it. And um, I don't think anyone's able to see how good they really are. And so there are, there are millions, literally millions of artists out there in the world who are going to look at your drawings uh you jake you lee and they're gonna be like someday if i could just if i could just draw like them i would be happy (laughs) you know like me looking at day god being like someday you know but Mm -hmm. it's the same so it's nice to know that it really never kind of goes away i think it just means you care and you love it yeah yeah the day the day you sit there and go i'm amazing holy cow i i'm the best (laughs) artist it's probably the day you stop drawing and caring about it. And also you should probably check in with a shrink right. for some <laughs> kind of narcissistic, you know, ego I problem. Know.
1: I, actually yeah. I actually noticed that with my students, like with my really, really good students, you know, if you had to make your bell shaped curve, the ones at the yeah. upper end of the bell, are the ones who, like, they're nervous about turning in the work. They're they're listening to everybody's critique because they want to, like, absorb what that is. And then at the other end of the bell-shaped curve, those people, they do not listen to anything. They're like, right. They they like don't want to even listen to the, what the teacher says. Yes. It's just kind of odd. And it's just something that's been consistent that I've noticed in, in classes over and over.
3: Totally. Oh, my gosh. When I, had the, when I had first-year students, I don't teach first-year students anymore, but when I did, the ones that would come in and I'd be like, well, hold on a second, stop. And I'd take my charcoal and be like, "No, this is this is what you're this is what you're seeing in front of you. This is how you do it." The ones that would say to me, "Yeah, but that's not my st- that's not my style. That's not how I draw." <laughs> I knew the conversation was over that moment. They were not there to learn. They were not there to to grow. They had already arrived in their minds, which meant they mm-hmm. weren't going to ever grow. And mm-hmm. you know, in another five years, they'd be manager at Banana Republic. They're not going to be artists Um, (laughs) does not to be cruel or mean it's just a fact we we all know that you you haven't arrived when you're 18 or 25 or 40 you never Mm -hmm. arrive you just keep trying to get better and understanding more of the basics and trying to just make sense of it all and make better work and then that's what keeps you going
0: i keep having these um i keep having to shift my my. do you ever do like you have creative north stars like creative individuals that you're like well you know they're at this age and they're still creating and you know maybe i can like achieve that at some point oh sure <laughs> right and so for, yes absolutely for, for me i'm always like you know i go back to miyazaki and he's like 70 yeah. and he's he's still you know he made uh the wind rises at 60 something you know and 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 i'm like okay i'm in my 40s i still have 20 years here where i can like <laughs> make something really good And today it was even like I was thinking about Clint Eastwood. I'm like, this guy will not stop making movies, and they're and and they get better and better. Like he's he's a fantastic filmmaker, and luckily we're in a profession where you can you can continue to get better and better and better. Yeah, refine it. You know, you're, you know, it's not like your knees give out. It's not like you have a concussion that you have to worry about. Like <laughs> you just sit down and make stuff.
3: <laughs> What's cool about that is I think editing. Cause like with filmmaking, with drawing, it's like you over year, over the years, you learn what to leave out just as much as what to put in. Mm-hmm. And I think you just get so much better at decision-making. It's like mm-hmm. why this would be a better decision color-wise or, or temperature-wise or why this would be more interesting for the viewer if I do X, Y, Z. Like, you just learn those things to the point where you get enough of a base of knowledge that you have all these tools and all these tricks to play with. And then that's that second phase where you're like, you've got that, you've got the mm-hmm. skills developed pretty nicely. Now, what do you do with them? Like, how do you make a picture that mm-hmm. is interesting? And then, like, that becomes the second phase. And you're doing that for 30 years. And then right. at the very end, you just have it all. And you're like, I have so much power. How do I direct it, you know? And so I look at artists like Gary Kelly. He's one of my heroes. Gary Kelly just does, he, now it's like, he's all about editing. It's like, what do I leave out, you know, and just make, still, still make a beautiful image. Or um, if you all remember Mark English, he was one of my heroes. He only died a few years oh, ago. Painting into like so what, good. late eighties, early nineties, something, I don't even know, yeah, just crushing it. But, you know, look at the evolution of his work. It was just, you know, by the time he mm-hmm. was on his last paintings, he, he knew so much that it was just making decisions about how he wanted to, how did he want to do it today? Right. Yeah. Whatever he does, yeah, he be was good. so good. If you guys don't, if our listeners
1: don't know either of those people, Gary Kelly, or especially Mark English, check them out. Mark English master. I mean, he's oh, so good. Just, he's, he is head and shoulders a bit above, in my opinion, everybody else.
3: Yeah. He was a, he was an absolute, yeah. God of illustration, God of painting. He's just a real genius. Um,
1: so Googling to bring this back Mark to the brushes, it, it kind of segues, like <laughs> when you are teaching these students, you know, one of the things about downloading your brush sets is I now have 400 brushes. How do you, do you, do you talk to your students about editing? How do you pick which brush?
3: Well, there are actually 1,900 and some change. Um, oh popular gosh. problem with, with the brushes is that people download the mega pack and they think it's some kind of collection of all the brushes. It's not, mm. it's a separate pack. <laughs> Everything else is separate. So there are almost 2000 brushes um so the way I tell the students to mess with it is um I show them basically what each set is kind of what's in it and then why some of those would be useful and for what purpose so if someone's working in a more painterly way I direct them to some of the real oils and then some of the brushes in the mega pack paint box and some other things you know gouache set whatever if someone's really interested in comics and inking and drawing I direct them to the drawing box and various inking tools it's like I I just try and help them out with that kind of stuff like what is it you're trying to make i'll show you a little library of brushes that will help you but then i also with some of the shows try and get people to just experiment because what i like about the brushes is the same as the things i like about natural media which if you tell me to draw a picture with a like a micron pigma pen i'm gonna draw it differently than if you hand me a big chunk of like fat pastel
2: because
3: mm-hmm. i can't make the same marks so I'm gonna be thinking more shape-based, more like value-based with the pastel, but with the with the with inking, I'm gonna be just like more about detail and more about like contours and whatever. Um I do that with the brushes. Give me a big fat weird texture brush, I'll find a different way to make an image. And that can then develop into maybe a marketable style or something. So I love that you can hit upon a way of working just by the tool that's in your hand that you otherwise wouldn't have, have been able to come around with. And so I try and get them to play around, play more that mm-hmm. in that way. Hmm. Um, That's awesome.
0: Do you have a favorite brush or favorite set of brushes, like your go-to? Uh,
3: um, no, I don't. I, I've been, I have brushes that are, are important to me because they had some, they played some role in like getting me f- moving forward with the business. The gua a go-go mm-hmm. brush for some reason, just, Became the most, I don't know, most used one I ever made, I guess. Mm-hmm. Second to the name us tied with an this pencil I made one time called Animator Pencil, which was a freebie. I made mm-hmm. a lot of free brushes because I wanted to not just sell brushes but also make yeah. them for free. That one was a freebie. Um I don't know. I mean, I have brushes named after people in my life and like <laughs> friends and stuff. And one of the hardest things is naming brushes after two thousand brushes. Like still gotta I name know. them.
0: What do you, <laughs> you call them? I'll tell you my favorite. I'll tell you my favorite if you're oh, okay so it's um the happy hb brush really yeah i love, that's an old I love one. that one it's an old one and i think i have a couple of these brushes from like one of the first um sets i got from you and then i love the uh what's it called the cartoonist um i'm gonna look it up right now classic cartoonist
3: oh that, i like thinking with that yeah thanks yeah. that's that i like i like drawing with that one
0: Thank you. That one, it, it is at the top of my brush palette. It has <laughs> both of those. I have essentially the hard round, the soft round, the soft or the hard round, and then like the airbrush hard round. Yeah. The ink and the HB and like oh, cool. I don't stray too far from those unless right, it's a right. special effect. But I'm mostly doing drawing, like very comic-y style drawing, so I don't need much in the way of brushes.
3: I saw are though you, in your you, the pictures you posted recently there was some halftone in the coloring. You said your colorist had done that, and yeah. I I was wondering if he had used the because I, I had a series of halftone brushes that I made that were pressure sensitive, mm-hmm. which were the first of their kind. But I think once they were out like a week later, somebody reverse engineered them, and like <laughs> that's what always <laughs> happened when I made stuff, which I had to get used to, but. But the, I was yeah, those, proud of half-tone those took, brushes
0: like, are super amazing. I'm pretty sure I don't. I'll have to ask him what he's using. His, his colors is Anderson Carmen, by the way, and he's such a such a cool guy, and really took my stuff to the to the next level. So, but great
1: to find a creative stuff, partner like that. Yeah, yeah. I use yeah, the rough, actually, rough, dry, big fun. Oh yeah, that That's from yours? the
3: first one of the first or second brush sets?
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. I have never found a brush that's similar to that one. It's perfect.
3: Oh my gosh, I I need to look at it again. I haven't played with it in years and years.
1: <laughs> well, you know how I use I use it. I I basically um, fill a whole layer with a texture. Say say uh-huh. I wa- a scanned watercolor, and then I fill the whole thing with a with a mask, and then um I I like lasso out whatever shape it is, and then I use that rough brush only for the edges so it's just revealing the texture so i'm not using it for any texturing or actual painting i'm using it basically for edge control
3: oh On that's, such, mm. that's such a cool way to work i that you're, you're bringing up something interesting to me which is that um people find ways to use the tools that i never in a million years would have imagined and that's one of the other rewarding things is like you put something out there but then the creativity of the artist who has it in their hands is what then makes it into this whole other thing. And it just like, right? Um, Tommy Lee Edwards, do you all know that comic book artist? And, and he does film art, he does concept art for movies. Tommy Lee Edwards, you should look him up, he's really good. Um, his his acrylic paintings are better than his digital stuff. But one time he, um, I was at his house and he's like, watch this, he took my Guashagogo brush and enlarged it to like 900 pixels and then started stamping it on the paper, uh-huh. uh, paper on the tablet. And it made these like awesome, like sort of nebular, like, is that the word nebulae? Nebula, nebula? (laughs) like like stars. And and like, it it looked like a galaxy kind of and like a big, cool texture. And he's like, did you know you could do this? I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so I started trying that out and I made a little video about it too. Cause I was just like, this is so cool. So yeah, people find all kinds of cool things to do.
0: Oh yeah. I've seen this guy's stuff. Tommy
3: Lee Edwards, ah, he's so good. You should I mean, see Now you is, made Jake um, feel
1: nervous again.
3: No, no, no. But it's I'll just never like be that <laughs> good. with a with a Pentel pocket brush, the drawings he does at, at cons, like he goes to comic cons and does little drawings. I've sat and watched him do those because at first I was like, "That's so accurate. He's got to be using some kind of projection or whatever." Mm-hmm. But I sat next to him one time and he's drawing Indiana Jones, and he was talking to me <laughs> while like just freehand drawing this Indiana Jones. I was like, "Ah, oh, forget it."
0: <laughs> How do you get that good? How do Lots of drawing, yeah. I guess (laughs) I guess I don't draw enough. I I mean, if I had more, everybody's got their
1: thing. That's his thing, you know. That's not my thing. So,
0: yeah, I I was going to ask you too, uh, and 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 we want to be sensitive of your your time, but the future, I assume, is going to be AR and VR headsets. um, As far as as far as like um the i mean if facebook's and you know has any say oh yeah with the metaverse but i honestly see these things as being um a very affordable way to level kind of the technological playing field for Hmm. creators because um because like a wacom cintiq right yeah it's two grand if you want to get a, a good one right right and although i, I have I, I
3: do actually have the 400 one um mm-hmm. and it's really good <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay what's what size is a 400 is a 400 it's one?
3: uh i think it's 13 inches. no wait is it 16 inches it's a decent size i think it's mm-hmm. 16 it's like it's called mm-hmm. the wacom one yeah and i think it's a 16 inch or maybe 15 inch or, but uh but anyway, yeah, I I I was like, whoa, there's no way because ten years ago I would never have bought one of the cheaper ones. But I guess they're right. they're upping their game because they're competing now with these Korean and right, you know, other brands. It. But anyway, yeah. So but yeah, so your where, point. where
0: I'm going with this is is essentially with the headset, you can you can have any digital workspace you want. You could just download it, yeah. And all you need is a stylus and a flat uh-huh. surface to draw on. And now you've got a Cintiq or you've got, you know, you could have Hmm. a full canvas Cintiq if you wanted. Sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering, is that something in consideration at Adobe? Like how do we, do we even prepare for that? Or do you kind of wait for that technology to, to be a little bit more ubiquitous before you start making things for it?
3: Well, I was, when I was in the research and science and research department at Adobe back in 2017. That's when I first visited them to talk about how to make the watercolors for fresco because we were trying to like figure out how to make that work. Um, yeah. Back then, they were already doing stuff with that. They were doing virtual painting environments and things like that. And um, so I can only assume that between now and then, or then and now, there's been some progress there, and they're they're fiddling with cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I the way things tend to work there is like the scientists and the research people. Are just constantly making cool stuff all day and then some of it will make its way into a product if it's practical and useful for the for the customer gotcha. and so there's all kinds of stuff that's come out of there that never saw the light of day just because there was nowhere for it to live mm-hmm. so i'm assuming that whatever if it's going to be useful for people who create for a living mm-hmm. um, then adobe is always going to be interested in making something for it that's just kind of how, the, how that part of the company works the creative cloud you know, all the design team and all those people, people I work with. Um, So I I certainly would say if there's, if there's anything coming in that direction, we're already probably doing something for it. Mm -hmm. I just don't personally know what that is because I don't work on that stuff. I will, but from my point of view, what matters in that experience is of course going to be the tools. So like if I am in a virtual painting environment and the brushes don't feel good, then I don't care. I I want it to feel good when I draw. I want it to, I want the responsiveness to be what I expect. I don't want there to be any lag. I want to have control over pressure and what that does to what I'm drawing with as same way as if I'm working on a tablet, right? So Mm -hmm. that experience has to be really, really, because artists, as you know, we're all, if the tools don't feel good, what's the point? Right. Um, Yeah. You know, so in the meantime, I'm I'm excited about things that we're working on for surfaces right now, like um, one of the things that's coming to Fresco is that when you tilt your iPad, the watercolor will move and run with the oh, surface, wow. no which I'm way. just like awesome. so excited about. Yeah, I can't wait for that to be done, but that's a ton of work. Um, <laughs> but that, but that, but that's like happening right now. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me, like I'm excited about that, but I guess, yeah, looking ahead, like what could I do in a virtual environment? The other thing I have to say from a personal point of view, and this is just for me, is I get really bad motion sickness when I do anything with VR. Uh-huh. So I hope that they they find a way for people like myself to be able to work in an environment like that without that, because I can't do right. it if I'm trying to barf every five seconds. Right. It's, it means you're there's old, like a Everybody stabilizing... over 30
1: feels that at <laughs> this point. Know. It's really weird because the kids don't feel it. I saw, I, don't this, know, this,
0: yeah. I saw this app you can download now for your VR, and it's a uh, life drawing. And so you put it on oh, and cool. you're in a life drawing room and you've got a charcoal there and you can go anywhere you want around the model No way! and just draw them. And you can click which poses you want, what style, the, body did, style you the, want to draw.
3: How does the, you know, I mean, are you able to draw with like what feels like charcoal kind of, or is it like just a black line or a shape, a blob that you drag around? I will
0: have to, I didn't, I didn't dig too deep into it. Just the fact that that was an option kind of blew my mind like oh of course you you could do that that sounds like great. I, my nephew he got uh, a headset for christmas and and i'm like oh you know what do you what do you he's 20 21 22 yeah like, so what games do you like what do you do what do you do on it what do you oh. use it for and he's all honestly my favorite thing is netflix and he puts it on what? And he's like, I picked out this, I'm in a cabin, it's snowing outside, turn down the lights, there's a fire over there, and then a massive screen. And I just watched my Netflix shows in this cabin in the uh-huh. woods. Did you see,
1: like, <laughs> did you see Ready fashion. Player One? Yes, yeah. yes, I remember when that yeah. This out. is very much like that. We're now in the oasis yeah. and um, <laughs> our house is falling apart outside in real life. But, but.
0: I, I, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, it'll never pick up. Or, you know, I can't as soon as Facebook makes them free or very affordable yeah. and they're giving them out to kids and schools and, and, and they're giving them to, or businesses are picking them up to do meetings and stuff like that. Like I could see you being like, let's, you know, us three, let's go watch a movie at lunch today. We put them on, oh. we go to a movie theater and we watch, you know, the Batman or whatever. And, and, uh, and it's like, we got to hang out. Right. I don't yeah, know.
3: that sounds that sounds fun. That sounds like a good use of the technology. If it brings people together who couldn't otherwise be together in a more a close way than than video calls or whatever, I'm excited yeah. about that more than anything. I think just I think what we're losing with every passing year is human mm-hmm. contact and human connection with the yeah. technology. So and I worry that worries me.
0: <laughs> the downside is, so I mean, the phone is tracking, you know, everything on you. Imagine what a headset can track, you know, because (laughs) because your
1: bio rhythms and every everything you're you're thinking. You're only on your
0: phone when you're on your phone, but if you're on your headset eight hours or sixteen hours a day, that's sixteen hours of them tracking you doing whatever you want to do, and that kind of scares me. I don't want to go. I don't want to go too far down that road. Do you remember
1: Google Google Glass? Did it die totally? Do you remember that technology? I don't
3: know. That's a good question. I don't know
0: yeah I, I mean i haven't yeah. heard about it in a long i think the time. problem with that was um because it was putting glasses on in reality and everybody wondering what you're recording if you're recording them it's like a <laughs> privacy thing i think oh yeah that makes you know, sense yeah you're i would definitely be unnerved
3: them. by someone wearing them in the room with me yeah <laughs> yeah that's weird yeah, okay bizarre. i don't know what happened to that but i I do know that the, the greatest opportunities of my life have always come out of some human contact. Mm-hmm. My first picture book opportunity, getting hired at Adobe, uh, mm-hmm. um, getting the job to teach at the school here, the university, my first job at a school. Um, there was always some human interaction where I hit it off with somebody, had a great conversation. I got to teach digital painting for two weeks in Berlin because I went to a party, literally. Mm -hmm. I went to a party and met this Spanish artist, Rafa, and and I'm talking to him and we we talked for like an hour about skateboarding and music and anything that had nothing to do with digital painting. Mm -hmm. And at the end he's like, man, I'm running this digital painting thing for two weeks um, next summer in Berlin, do you wanna come teach with me? If I hadn't made like a friend in person at a party, it would never have come about. So I just think like as, as amazing as I think all this stuff is, there's something magical about being in a room Mm -hmm. together, breathing the same air, looking at each other's eyes and just, Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but human to human. I just think that's how you make real connections and I hope it doesn't go away. I I, I don't know about you guys, but like with my students, I worry sometimes because so much of their lives are lived online that Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're, missing that or don't know they're missing it or i don't know i I mean i think they may
1: may they may assume it it is it feels a certain way until they see what the alternative it is and an example of that is like me jake and will run this company none of us lived in the same city and so last year we were like let's just rent a house and let's all go there and play and have fun and and work a little bit too and it was so different and it was so much fun and so much more of a connection than the online stuff so we wouldn't have known yeah. that unless we made the, the choice to, you know, do it. Absolutely.
0: I, I, just, I just finished a book called Stolen Focus. Subtitle was how why you can't pay attention and how to get your, how to think deeply again, right? Oh, wow. Um, and, and the book, I, I kind of disagreed with the author on some of his solutions, but one of the things I really love, the first half of it, is he talks about, he's a journalist and he realizes like, um he, he goes to um uh Elvis Presley's he's a, he's an English journalist they fly over him and his godson fly over to Elvis Presley's Musicland or whatever it's called um
3: Graceland yeah
0: <laughs> Graceland Musicland
3: same thing wow
0: Graceland and and they're looking at this all this historical stuff with press Elvis Presley they're huge fans but yet half the time they're on their phone and there's people there that you could do a virtual tour of the place. And they're looking at the virtual tour instead of like with iPads instead of going. And he's like, this is, this is not." So that was his, like, that was like his, That's crazy. I gotta, gotta figure out how to untangle myself from these devices. And so then what he does is he finds an Airbnb at some small seaport village place, I think on the East coast somewhere And he goes there for three months and he brings a flip phone that doesn't have internet. He brings a laptop that doesn't have internet. Uh And the phone is only so that in an emergency, a a family member can call him or he can call out or whatever. And then he, and then he he said, I just, I wrote my book and I read books and I went out to dinner and I ate and I met people and I talked to people. And he said that the first week it was this weird like untangling, like, you know, there's like, I kept reaching for a phone that wasn't yeah, there, I can imagine. I, I, you know? And then there was this, um, this, this phase where it was like, kind of like withdrawals, like real, real, like, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm really curious about current events or whatever. He, he would read a newspaper, but he wanted to know what was happening like right then. And then, yeah, went this into is like this an thing. addiction,
3: you know, <laughs> right. that's I totally, Oh my gosh. Right
0: but then the, the 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 by the end of it he's like there was a day there was days there where i would sit down to read my book in the morning notice that the sun was going down and i'd read all day oh fantastic like, got, gosh you know i like, i got it back so then he talks about how to take that into your daily life and and what to do with your phone and it's a it's a cool book i recommend it if that's like something you're thinking you know feel like is a problem in, in your life. I
3: but, think that's great. I love that. Also, um, can you tell me the title, please again, how to focus. S- stolen focus
0: stolen focus, Stolen um, what is this? Why you can't pay attention and how to mm-hmm. think deeply again by Johan Harry.
3: Stolen focus. Harry. I, I want to, um, recommend that to my wife's book club too, because they, they, they mix it up between fiction and nonfiction stuff. And that just sounds like such a good one. Um, Mm-hmm. speaking of book clubs just just that's another thing that i think it's great because she so she'll read a book but then they all get together in person um we have a little mm-hmm. uh fire pit back at the beyond, behind our house they get together and she makes them she, she makes champagne or wine or whatever and they sit there and they talk for two hours and like that's the thing they look forward to so much every week mm-hmm. and the group of women who are in her book club just that face time and they all had a shared experience but they talk about it in person and um like, yeah, yeah. All that stuff is, is so valuable and so healthy and it just makes your brain happy. Do, do you happy, work makes your body from home happy. or
1: do you, do you work at the office? I was going to ask. No, about this that. is my, you- I work
3: from home. What the great thing for me has been since I started my own business, you know, illustrating, illustrating, I, I never had to change it when I moved to Adobe,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I still work from home. So that didn't change. And that was, that for me was important because I love being here when my kids are home and talking to them about their day at school and seeing them, you know, it's just, it's been, I was from day one when the kids were born, I was already at the house. Mm -hmm. So that's what I got used to. And that's what I like. So I was Mm -hmm. really scared about having to change that with Adobe, but they were allowing me to work from home from day one. So.
0: How often do you go into uh, Adobe offices? Well, for the last,
3: I have not been to an Adobe office now since late 2019 Mm. um because of the pandemic but Mm -hmm. prior to that i would go i would say go to an office just for meetings or just to kind of make myself you know there uh for whatever reason like six to eight times a year Mm. um but there were years when i had to present on stage for adobe max Mm. for those years i would go for about 10 weeks every week three days every week Mm -hmm. for about 10 weeks straight to rehearse Mm. um that was crazy but I haven't done that now for, yeah, for two years. So, yeah. I went I just,
0: to Dolly Max once, me, me Lee, and you, Yeah,
2: Didn't you and oh, I
3: yeah. draw next, right next to each other? That's man. right. Yeah. Remember that? That was at Dolly Max. Yeah. That's right. I saw you. And then the following year, maybe it was the same year, I think I saw you jogging in the morning outside the hotel in LA or whatever. And I remember seeing you and being like, look at this guy, man. He wakes up early, jogs. And I was thinking, <laughs> I need to get my health. Back, in, you know, I need to get my acting gear because I was like sleeping until the dead last second before I had to go somewhere and do something. And um, so I actually did start jogging after I saw you doing it, and um, I hadn't no jogged in years. And I, I, I actually right now I'm having to take a break because I have plantar fasciitis, but not enough information mm. about me there. Um, <laughs> That's um, right. Yeah. But I, I saw you and I was just like, man, look at him go. I gotta do that. So you inspired me there. I don't know. You probably don't remember that interaction because I just waved and you waved and you kept running. But um, vaguely. I vaguely remember yeah.
0: it. I'm usually in the zone when I'm running. I'm just like, that's me- that is like a, a a meditation time for me too. Oh, so. for
3: sure. My brother's a long distance runner and he does it purely for for that purpose, just to clear his brain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we should probably wrap this up. Uh
2: yeah, yeah too really much fun. This I love talking time. to you guys. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. This was, this is a good conversation. Good to catch up with you. It's, it's been a while. Twitter's not good enough, you know, (laughs)
3: like never is, never is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well,
2: I want to thank uh, both of you guys
3: so much for having me on. And just, this is, I love talking to other illustrators and I don't do it enough. I'm realizing this right now. I don't (laughs) do this enough. I need to talk to my artist friends more Mm -hmm. often about the stuff we care about because my other friends don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a good yeah, balance man. though,
0: because you could get like you could get so wrapped up into illustration stuff that when you talk to a normie, <laughs> you yeah, have normie. nothing to talk <laughs> to him about. That's like.
3: uh, true. That's true. That's true.
0: All right. That was Kyle T. Webster. Again, you could check his work out on Instagram at Kyle T Kyle.t.webster. Um, and, and his website, Kyle And again, lines Check it out there. Again, such a great conversation. Uh, I, I forgot about the running thing. <laughs> I remember that now, now that he's brought that up. Uh, oh, that you
1: saw him like before uh, yeah, the, the convention yeah, that, or whatever, that we
0: bumped into each other, <laughs> but he's, he's such a cool guy. And, and he talked a lot about those one-on-one personal relationships. And I think that's That is like something not to be, you don't want to sleep on that. You don't want to think just because I'm connecting with someone online that I'm actually making real connection. Like if you can meet with people in in person, get to know them, get the other thing too, it's like, uh, networking is nothing more than making friends. So focusing on the friendship side of it, I think is another big thing and, and how you can build relationships that may or may not turn into something good for your career. But at the end of the day, you still have a friend, right?
1: Yeah. So. It's an important thing to remember. I remember early in my career, I, I used to go to uh, different design conferences and different little meetups and stuff. I was mm-hmm. living in Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, and, and, and it never worked when I was trying to go there because I hope I would meet a client that was going to hire me. Right. You know it never right. worked. It always felt forced. I've always felt like they had power over me and then when I just got rid of all that and started thinking all right, I'm just here seeing what they're doing you know what do they do with their off time you know, do they do yeah. they go jogging or whatever you know and then all of a sudden it's, things start kind of clicking a little bit. So he's mastered yeah. that.
0: Yeah. That's right. Well, uh, let's wrap this up. Um, I'll take this out. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com. We're becoming a great illustrator starts. And your hosts for this podcast are Will Terry, Lee White, and I'm Jake Parker. You can go find Will Terry on Instagram at Will Terry Art, and Lee White on Instagram at Lee White Illo, and Jake Parker on Instagram at Jake Parker. Podcast produced by Daniel Two. That's Daniel T U. You can find his work at Daniel Daniel2.co. Special thanks to master of production, David Bro, keeper of the curriculum, Austin Shirtlift, chief operations officer, Lisa Fott. And a thank you to Lily Howell for our show notes. Now, go draw something.